In the previous episode of the Makers and Shakers Society... Have you ever thought about you and me? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's fine. The film and television industry is basically dead. You can't buy a TV anymore. Mm. Mm. Internet's so unreliable. Who can stream? Well, I, I guess the war must be getting pretty bad there now. Oh, you can't avoid it. The Freedom Army's taken over large sections of California. The official government just closed up and went home. Grace? I'm pregnant, Oliver. Okay, so what do you want to do? There's only one thing we can do, Oliver. What's happening? Surrender's been arrested. You all come to us young people for hope. The Makers and Shakers Society, Episode 6. Good morning again, ancestors. It was a bad night. The pain from the cancers now moved up my back. I had to meditate for an hour before I could talk. But there are still more things you need to know. When I first got off the boat last month in Tobermory, I walked south to Waterloo, or what's left of it. A week's journey. The rain, which had been threatening all day, finally started. Warmer on my face than I expected. Wet, fug smell rose from the surrounding forest. The wall still stands, but the city's been deserted for years now, ever since the Alliance collapsed. A virus of some kind killed off the last families. Squatters are still afraid to go anywhere near it, so I I took a bit of a risk even standing kilometers away. I actually came to Waterloo only once, when I snuck in to negotiate with Leah in 2039. The people in the ancient city of Uruk were unhappy with their king. When I think about it now, I'm truly amazed at how calmly I reacted to Grace's arrest. You've already read that part. When? I moved with Mayher to the Wagon Wheel Hotel the same day, hiding out again. Okay, let's try another chapter. After Mayher went to sleep, I called Joan on the encrypted line. Joan? How's it going there? Oliver, look, I'm so sorry about what happened. Yeah, thank you. We still don't know anything about Grace's whereabouts. Those of us still here have come up with a plan to get her out, but we need your help. Okay. We want to shut down the supply chain to Waterloo with a network of blockades. Starve them. Conditions everywhere are becoming intolerable. Our spies inside Waterloo tell us that the Alliance's efforts to contain the protests are faltering. We think it might be possible to strike a deal with them to get Seth and Grace released. But it's going to be really tricky. I'll do whatever I can. How well do you know Lia Zhang? What? She's on the governance board in Waterloo. Yes? 
Recently, she gave evidence against Anderson after the coup moved to Waterloo and got installed in the puppet government. I guess the People's Alliance needed her. Uh, I knew Leah in high school. We dated for a while, but we haven't been in touch for years. I'm told Leah might be open to some kind of release deal in return for the end of protests and blockades. And? We think you should be the one to make the ask. Oh, me? But how? Joan, I'm here all alone with, with a five-year-old kid. I can't think of any other way to get to Leah. <sighs> okay, uh, let me think about it. Arranging a meeting will be difficult. Security around Waterloo is bulletproof. Do you know anyone or any way to get in under false pretenses? Hi, Darko. Good to see you. How are you, Abbas? Uh, it's been busy. More people than usual today. Can I come in? Sure. There were two the things kitchen. I needed to do immediately. First, I visited the Ghulams, the Afghan family who ran the garden kitchen operation in Wellington. Since no one had money anymore, the Ghulams encouraged people squatting in the area to grow their own food and cook it at the outdoor communal kitchen behind their house. Each night, there would be a crowd, eating, talking, and making music. We helped with the cooking when we could, and enjoyed the company. Abbas, their oldest son, greeted me. We have a plan to get Surinder released, uh, but it means I have to leave for a few days, maybe longer. Could Mayher hide out here? Would your family be willing to take care of her? Yes, of course. She can stay here. There are so many people around. Nobody's going to ask questions. Thank you so much. But it's hard for me to ask this. What if you get captured or killed? I don't know. It's a risk. Look, Mehar can stay as long as she wants. We will treat her as if she's our own child. You don't need to worry. You have no idea how thankful I am. We have to support each other. What else can we do? The second thing was to get in touch with my sister. This wasn't easy. Annika worked as a maid at one of the big homes in Waterloo. All her emails and calls were monitored. I called Annika's closest school friend, Roisin, who still lived in Kingston. She was able to get a private message to Annika. Hello? Is this Oliver? Annika? What happened to you? It's been a long time. Yes, it has. Using the encrypted line, Annika and I arranged a way for her to get me into Waterloo using a false name. She told her bosses I was an unemployed high school friend who was looking for service work. Since I already had false papers as Darko, this was relatively routine. She would meet me at the bus terminal inside the wall. She also left a handwritten message in the mailbox of Leah's condo. It was just a few days before Christmas. Taking the bus from Belleville to Waterloo was shocking. We'd been living in a paradise bubble in the county. 
The poverty and squalor along the north shore of Lake Ontario was incredible. Millions of homeless people living in tents and squatting in abandoned buildings. Outdoor kitchens, homemade sports fields, bonfires. Toronto had become a giant city of climate migrants. I expected to see gangs and violence, but instead, as I walked around, I saw streets that had been turned into vegetable gardens and orchards. On what was once Bloor Street, I witnessed an amazing sight. A large drinking water station had been installed in the ruins of an office building. The lineup of people with water cans stretched up the side street. I'm guessing maybe a hundred people. Families with little kids, elderly women with walkers. One of the people there told me that water and electricity had been unavailable in the city for years. And no one knows why this water treatment station and Freetop were suddenly installed. We are in Waterloo. Everyone is required to go through security. Please make sure you have all your belongings. Thank you. The bus dropped us off at the security building just outside the enormous wall. Seven meters high, I'd heard. Twelve in some places. Barbed wire everywhere. On the east, it followed the line of the old Conestoga Parkway, but the entire city was surrounded. Security patrols crisscrossed the fields near the gates. Migrant camps around the outskirts. After about an hour's delay, I was told my papers were okay. Annika had done a good job. Another bus drove us through the big gates into the bus terminal. Annika? Oh, what happened to your hair? Damn it. Damn it. What? I wasn't going to, you know. It's good to see you, Adams. Yeah, Adams. Annika's appearance shocked me. Look, she was thin I've only got a few minutes, and didn't look healthy. But I want you to tell me how you are. Uh, which way's the exit? Over there. So? I'm okay, I guess. I work in the home of this guy, Cromwell Leeson. He's like a deputy minister and stuff. It was Carrie Leeson who signed for your papers. Oh, thank you for that. They worked. So, I started out being their maid... But now I pretty much only take care of their eight-year-old daughter, Brittany. The kid's nice, but her parents are just awful. Do you have your own room? Yeah. I sleep in a little bunkie in the garden. It's actually fine. I've got Wi-Fi, and they let me go to the library once a week. They even give me Sunday off, mostly. It's lonely. That's all. What about Jerry? Jerry and I broke up five years ago, Oliver. That's how long it's uh, been. Call me Darko, okay? Sorry. I know. It's been a long time. I'm sorry. I... I couldn't... You know why. 
I don't see anyone now. There's no time. Annika, I'm sorry to hear that. But at least you have a bed and food and relative safety. Do you have any idea what it's like outside the walls? We only hear lies on the television. But I hear stuff inside the house. Shall we sit down here for a bit? Okay. So, what happened to Ron? Ron lived in the house for like six years after you left. But the flooding and lack of power got so bad that he had to move north. By that point, there was like no money and no work. The last time I saw him, he was kind of living in a trailer park place in a tent. They told me he just died one night. The flu, they thought. What about Kathy? Mum died around the same time. She decided to move to the very large migrant camp outside North Bay. Apparently there was free food and clean water and stuff. Big outbreak of something up there. I don't know. There were no visitors allowed, so I didn't get to see her at all. This is the street. I have to- Can't you just, like, stay here a few more minutes? I'm really scared. Something is gonna- You know? Annika held my hand tight and didn't want to say goodbye. I felt guilty, but I needed to get to Leah before I got caught. I love you, Annika. And thank you. Love you too. Stay safe. Please take care of yourself. I will. I never saw Annika again. Yes, who is it? It's Darko. Uh, come up. 1802. Oh my god. Oh my god. Let me hug you. <laughs> I can't believe it. It's good to see you, Leah. Leah pushed a small card into my hand and indicated I should read it. The card said, we are under surveillance. At Darko, I want you to meet Dina. Hi. Pleased to meet you. Likewise. I've told Dina all about our high school days together. (laughs) I hope it wasn't too embarrassing. Oh, not at all. It was quite interesting, actually. Dina was a tall, South Asian woman sitting in a wheelchair. She had a beautiful smile and piercing so eyes. we have some really good whiskey, which we only drink with visitors. Oh, no thank you. Just water for me, please. Dina? Whiskey, of course. <laughs> uh, Dina, tell Darko what you've been up to this week. <laughs> I think Leah's referring to the show we just put up at the Perimeter Gallery. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's work I made back in the 20s in Vancouver. Protest art, I guess you would say. And on Tuesday, I get to perform rapping about things like old growth forests being cut down. But not just old stuff. I'll have some new material in there about life beyond the gates. Some people around here seem to like it. That surprises me. (laughs) Yes, it's interesting how many people in the city see themselves as rebels fighting the status quo. And how do they do that? Well, by trying to change how life is lived beyond the gates. Civil servants here are working on plans to improve conditions in the camps. Mm. Starvation and disease have become so extreme now. 
and the government goes along with it because they don't want the city attacked. Yeah, something like that. It's a mess, as you know. It's really hard for me to understand how we got here. Here's your water. Trust me, it's safe. Oh, thank you. You know, Leah's told me a lot about you. I have a great deal of respect for what you and your friends have been able to accomplish. Gives Leah and I hope. Thank you. But I'm not sure how much she knows. Oh, you'd be surprised. Unfortunately, we can't say much more about it now, except to say that we've been keeping an eye on you and your friends. Leah mentioned a high school yearbook that I was supposedly there to collect. She said we would go get it later because she had so much news to catch up on. Eventually, when the glasses were empty, Leah got up and said, I guess we better go get that yearbook from the storage locker. I hope I can find it. Yeah, okay. Uh, Lead the way. Great to meet you, Dina. Great meeting you too, Darko. It was literally a storage locker in the basement. Cardboard boxes and old junk lined the walls. But there was a small cafe table and two chairs carefully placed in the center. Leah obviously used this room for secret meetings. I'm certain we aren't bugged here. I've tested it. So, Dina is... Dina and I started dating in undergrad. Hmm. We've been together for 20 years. Are you surprised? Yeah. You who told me that the exclusivity thing was crap. Oh, did I say we were exclusive? (laughs) Okay, okay, (laughs) right. You know what? Dina gives the monster serious indigestion. Mm. Informed people here in Waterloo love her because she doesn't hold back. It makes them feel like they're not complete sellouts. You can probably tell Dina and I are both dying. Environmental cancers, just like everyone else. That's why the wheelchair. We need expensive treatments just to stay alive, and my job with the People's Alliance pays those bills. How did it come to this, Leah? Yeah, good question. Do you want the whole story? Yes, I do. Remember when I told you about Homer Levitin, my first-year environmental studies teacher? I remember. Because of his class, I started going to XR demonstrations and hanging out with this group of artists, Zia, Khalil, Jeffrey, and Dina, of course, their philosopher queen. (laughs) Graffiti, invisible theater, clowning, pranking, bad shit. We were bad. I felt so good after Kingston. You understand, don't you, Ollie? Yes, of course. I do. Well, it was Homer who introduced me to Amnira Anderson. When Amnira became prime minister, I was appointed her personal assistant. So, what happened? Our first big miscalculation was ignoring how angry Lawrence Gerard was. The front runner in the leadership race. Mm, Exactly. We know now that he started making plans to take Amnira down right after she won. He's one of the architects of the United People's Alliance. Uh, And they were behind the backlash. Yes. They started posting misinformation on social media during the 24 election. I remember seeing it. The throne speech on May 12th dropped one bombshell after another. 
it was a shock for the corporations, yes, I'll admit, but we really had no choice. Well, I mean, you campaigned on those promises. Most voters were in favor. Well, the backlash didn't start until the spring. Well, some of it was truly brilliant. I privately took notes. But some of the protesters were connected to the Freedom Army in the U.S., and they hated all climate legislation. I mean, we had some violent clashes in Kingston. But we handled it well. Okay, emissions started to drop. Other countries imitated our legislation. So how did it go so badly off the rails? I was in the room when Amnira and James Erson first discussed the secret recording. Jim said that the conversation never happened, uh, the recording was fake. It seemed like he was telling the truth. Amnira didn't respond for quite a while. Eventually, she told Jim that she believed he was telling the truth, but she didn't believe the public would. It was just way too dangerous to the party's climate agenda to be derailed by this. He would have to resign. It, Jim was so angry he could barely speak. You think the recording was manufactured by the anti-Omnira factions? Yes, of course it was. And their corporate sponsors. The big tech monopolies like Meta and Google poured millions into the People's Alliance. Hmm. I realize now that we should have denied and accused instead. It was a mistake for Jim to resign. And the others, too. Omnira was taking the high road? Yes. She didn't want to wallow in the dirt, but the protesters who wanted her out kept getting more and more violent. That was by far our biggest mistake. We didn't do enough to deal with the gap between the rich and the poor. Mm. Working class people felt betrayed by governments for good reason, but the Alliance took advantage of that. It was January 3rd, 2027, when Bryce Martin, Gerard's assistant and a longtime liberal fixer, came into my office and shut the door. I met him once at a party. He's a piece of work. Yeah, well, I noticed that he had two uniformed RCMP officers standing in the hall. He told me Amnira was being cited for contempt of parliament. It was, of course, bullshit, but she was about to resign as prime minister, and I was about to be fired. Bryce gave me two choices. Either I hang Amnira out to dry and confirm the stories of her misdeeds, or I refuse and get publicly shamed. He told me that if I decided on choice one, he would personally guarantee me a job in the new government. Why? Because they needed someone they could trust who spoke Cantonese. Now, at the time, I had no idea what he meant. But he looked at his watch and gave me five minutes to decide. My God. Leah, what did you do? I know what you're thinking, Oliver but I'm going to tell you how I came to my decision. Please listen. Okay, I'm listening. If I refused to speak against my friend Amnira, then she and I and everyone else would be erased from Ottawa and the old boys would take over all said and done. Okay, Dina and I would be on the street, but if I recanted, abandoned Amnira and took that new job, then I could stay around and possibly be able to influence things. Hey, what was more important? Loyalty to my boss and friend or 
loyalty to our long-term political goals. At the moment, they were opposed, or so it seemed to me. I agreed to speak against Amnira. I can't believe no, that... No, let me finish. After Bryce left, the cops stayed in the hall. I told them I needed to use the washroom. The younger cop checked to make sure I didn't have my phone with me and then escorted me down the hall. When I was alone inside, I just vomited straight into the toilet. Then I started to cry. I knew he could hear my sobs through the door. Leah. What can I say? Believe me, I don't know the circumstances of Amnira's death any more than you do. She never talked to me again. But I don't believe for one second it was a suicide. But I still blame myself every day. I, I know it doesn't make any sense, but I, I do. Did you get the job they promised? Yes. The reason they needed a Cantonese speaker is because, by that point, Gerard and his buddies were taking orders from the Chinese government, just like the Americans. It was my job to translate and negotiate with the Communist Party officials who handled things in Ottawa. Well, that's what I'm still doing now, except we're in Waterloo. Do you remember the story of Galileo we learned in grade nine? Yeah. Uh, he was an astronomer in the 1600s. He told people that the Earth circled around the sun and not the other way around. That's right, but do you remember anything else? Uh, the Catholic Church forced him to take it back. Yes. He had to recant or be tortured by the Inquisition. Even though it was absurd and wrong, he recanted to save himself. He agreed that the sun circled the earth. And for the next 10 years, he lived under house arrest, but was able to do important research up until his death. Why are you telling me this? When you judge me, as I know you will, remember that it was my decision to work for these people that makes it possible for us to have this conversation now. Do you understand that? Leah, look at me. Who am I to judge you? In my job here, I've done many things to soften the violence of this government. This is the world we live in. Neither of us created it, but now we have to live in it. So how much control do the Chinese have? Mm, Beijing is the only intact government left. The head offices for most multinationals still operating are there. Canada, Europe, the U.S., we've become the suppliers of raw materials and a source of cheap labor. Ironic, eh? Yeah. Gerard and the United People's Alliance are just puppets of Beijing. Because of climate chaos, they've had to abandon large parts of Canada. Most of the migrant camps and settlements are self-ruled. We have very little idea what happens there. I was able to get a water treatment center built in Toronto, but oh, that took me years. Well, I saw it when I was coming here. It's a popular place. Well, for these people here, it's just a way to reduce unrest and violence. My God, it's insane. Look, I had nothing to do with any of the arrests. You have to understand that. 
It was all secret. But I know where Seth is now. Grace, too. I do what I can to keep them alive. Cesis still doesn't know anything about you. Did it really take them all that time to find Grace? They knew she was undercover, but not where. Your encryption system worked. It was the informant who exposed her. So why didn't they just kill Seth and Grace? Because they still believe in their own benevolence. My God. Grace and me had a child together. Her name is Mayher. It means gift. She's five now. Do you want to see a picture? (laughs) Yes, of course. She's beautiful, Ollie. Very much Grace's daughter. (laughs) (sighs) I guess having babies at the end of the world is also morally questionable. Well, I guess it's my turn to not judge you. So, what are we negotiating today, Ollie? The Black Rose Network is willing to suspend all protests and stop sabotaging shipments in return for the release of prisoners and amnesty. That's big. Why? Well, because it's a standoff. No one's getting anywhere. If we agree to this, where will you go? Seth's mother once worked for the Heron River Band, the northeast shore of Lake Superior, Treaty 60 territory. Yes, I remember Bonnie telling us about it. Now the community's called Odenanishnabeg. The people there have agreed to let seven of the Black Rose Network members start a community near them. Uh, that includes Seth, Grace, and me. We'll be completely self-sufficient, off the grid. You won't ever hear from us again. Uh, I find it hard to believe that after centuries of settler colonialism and state violence, the people in Treaty 60 territory would ever contemplate agreeing to such an arrangement. It's like repeating the past. Yeah, but maybe we can do it differently this time. I've heard that before. Look, you might be right. It might not work. It will depend on building good relationships. And you're telling me the Black Rose Network no longer wants political power? We never wanted political power. We wanted to pressure those with political power to do the right things. The necessary things. I guess we've decided that it's not possible anymore. All we want now is to be left alone. How can I trust that? You have my word. You know who I am, Leah. Whatever my faults might be. Okay. I think I can do it. But only if your group has perfect discipline. The deal falls apart if there's one renegade blockade that doesn't close down. You understand that? I do. Of course. Then, consider it a deal. You have that much power? No, but they're desperate here. The army and the police cost too much. The economy's in free fall. There's no cash left, and the propaganda machine's running out of stories to tell. Like, I know they'll listen to me. I hope you understand how grateful I am. We are. Believe me, if it works, the people here will be grateful too. It's ironic that at the end of it all, Seth was right. We should have dumped capitalism the profit motive, consumerism, the whole mess when we had a chance. Seth's a smart guy. 
He's also the most single-minded person I've ever met. He tried to escape three times and actually succeeded once for a day or so. I admire him, but radical revolutions never work. And incremental reform does? Come on, Leah, look at where we are now. Real, lasting change is messy and slow. It happens by degrees. There are no saints, no perfect solutions. It's too late for that. The apocalypse is here. So are we. Yeah, but we failed, Leah. We had our chance, don't you see? In the end, we didn't have the courage and wisdom to do what needed to be done. We ran when we should have stood our ground. The way we're living now is beyond our worst nightmares. (laughs) You can't say that yet. I don't know what you mean. Look, ever since the economy collapsed, the use of fossil fuels has plummeted. Even though some people are still using wood fires, it's nothing compared to carbon emissions in the 20s. The scientists here say that carbon emissions are just a fraction of what they were. But at what cost in human suffering? The suffering part I agree with. But they also say that the oceans are already showing signs of recovery, and it's been less than a decade. But only the rich will reap the benefits. The rest of us will be dead. The alliance won't last forever. It's already falling apart. The same with the Chinese communists. The CSIS people I talk to here say there are many communities like the one you want to form. The privileged have always believed that without military and police protection, Life would be a race to the bottom, with anarchy and gangs everywhere. But the rest of the world realizes it's not true. How do you know this? Even though the Alliance has lost control, they still need to understand what's going on in the world. Do you know how people are communicating long distance these days? No. Wooden sailboats. Oh, come on. The lost (laughs) art of wooden shipbuilding has made a big comeback. I'm not lying. Like, there's even a kind of mail service across the Atlantic between autonomous communities. It infuriates the people here. They try to sabotage it. What about you, Leah? What are you going to do? Our time is short. I want to stay with Dina as long as possible. I'll keep trying to do what I can to make things better. What a ridiculous, absurd ride this has been. I hope with all my heart that you and those people up on Lake Superior find a way to survive all this. Me too. Please... Give my love to everyone. I miss you all so much. The hug was long and tight. I still remember her arms around me, the way her hands felt on my back. I never saw her again, but Leah turned out to be true to her word. Four months later, seven members of the Black Rose Network stood next to a dock on Georgian Bay. We were waiting for Seth and Grace to be quietly released. Look, Daddy! Oliver, she's gonna jump. 
May her be careful. <laughs> it's okay, I'm watching her. They're an hour and a half late. They'll be here, Joan. You have a lot of trust. We made a deal. They know the consequences of not coming through. There they are. I see four black vans. They're parking in the field. They don't want to have anything to do with us. I guess the other two vans are the extra guards. Oh, wow. Seth's lost a lot of weight. And they've cut off all of Grace's hair. Grace and Seth are hugging. They haven't seen each other in nine years. Mayor, who do you see down there? Who? There. Mummy? Yes. It's Mummy. That day, we boarded a wooden ship called Windjammer heading for Lake Superior. Thanks to Leah, three original members of the Makers and Shakers Society were back together. Our years in the North were about to begin. Hi, I'm Oliver Adams. Great to see everyone out today. Ollie. Are you ready to sing? Woo! Let's do it. This song has an easy chorus. I hope you'll join in. Here it is. Right here, right now, see the signs, we draw the line. Everyone! Right here, right now, see the signs, we draw the line. That's great! When the haters say we're ugly and mad, ugly and mad, ugly and mad. Say we're ugly and mad Then we know we're winning Then we know we're winning Right here, right now See the sign, we draw the line Right here, right now See the sign, we draw the line when desperate corporations wash in green, wash in green, wash in green. When the performers in this episode were Clark Mackey, Jackson Watt Bowers, Mia Lockhart, Alexandra Montanese, Ahmed Mohammadi, Olivia Farquhar, Samuel Sobe, Martha Rudden, Stephanie Fung, Kim Nandaram. Production by Clark Mackey, Matt Rogolsky, Lib Spry, Jeremy Kerr, Matthew Ng, Delaney Butler, Ethan Molesky, Anna Coelho. Music performed and composed by Kevin Bowers. Funding for the Makers and Shakers Society was provided by the City of Kingston Arts Fund and the Community Foundation of Kingston and Area. We are grateful to live and work as uninvited guests upon the traditional territories of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy and the Anishinaabek Nation. Then we know we're winning, we know we're winning, right here, right now. See the signs, we draw the line. Right here, right now, see the signs, we draw the line.